Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Welcome to Mountain View Sunnyside today. Uh, ushers are going to come forward. Let's give, if you call this place home, let's give out of obedience and thankfulness to God who provides everything for us. If you're totally new here for a second or third time and you've got that connection card uh, that you're handed as you walked in, you do not need to get that done in the next two seconds and get it in the basket. Uh, you've got the rest of the service. And as you walk out, there's going to be some nice people on your left uh, behind a table. That's our welcome table. Drop that off there. We've got a gift for you. You matter to us. And so we just want to say thanks for coming. So today we're starting a new series. It is called If, as you can see uh, from the boards and stuff behind me. And what it does is it's looking at all the things in our lives that we've done that we regret and trading those in for God's possibilities. I think of my life and I think of things that I regret. And in between services, people were reminding me of stories I should have told instead of the one that I told because there are that many regrets that they know of about me. And so the, the one that, that was kind of at the top of everything uh, was I was in college. I was a sophomore in college. Uh, this was before Anna and I started dating because she would have had something to say about this situation. Uh, I was speaking at an FCA event in the morning. They had breakfast. They knew that I was a poor college kid. So they sent me home with some milk. Uh, and between Clovis West and FPU getting on the freeway and everything, that milk went from side, like straight up and down and closed to on its side and spilling over the interior of my truck. So being a 19-year-old who knew nothing about food and smells, I got back to college, uh, just kind of mopped it up a little bit, rolled up the windows, shut the door, and left my car for a day and a half, uh, baking in the sun. This is like in November, where it's cold in the morning, but stupid hot for the rest of the day. So for a day and a half, my car, my truck just smelled, like went from normal truck smell to absolute hell inside of my truck. And so Wednesday night after a Tuesday morning, event, I get into my car, I open up, and that is the regret that I want to share. Uh, it smelled awful. It was absolutely bad. I had to drive out to uh, like north central Clovis that night on the freeway. It's cold. Windows all the way rolled down, gagging as I drive. So I get there, uh, do my thing, come home that night. On the way, I stop by at a grocery store to buy like one of those big jugs of coffee because I'm just going to ground that into the carpet all night and see if it'll make a difference. It did turn the carpet green. Like even until I sold that truck, that awful milk spot with the carpet was green. It like scared the color right out of that thing. Uh, and it still smelled like butt even until I sold it. We've all got a story like that, all right? We all have a moment in our lives. Hopefully, it's not as dumb as mine. And if you ever spill milk in your car, it is worth crying about. That saying has no truth in it whatsoever. You fix that stuff immediately as possible or sell your car. Like, those are your two options. We all have a situation like that. And what we're going to look at for the next few weeks is handling those if only I would have situations and about how God wants to take our regrets and trade them for his possibilities. But because, because behind every single regret is something that God says, I can use that. And so we're going to talk about that. And the, the thing that we're going to talk about today, the first one of those, is the whole idea of if only I would have. If only this, if only that. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8 for the next four weeks. If you've got a little ribbon bookmark thing in your Bible, you can just park that in Romans uh, chapter 8. We're going to be there until Super Bowl Sunday. That'll be our, our last day there. I would say February 4th, but nobody cares when that is. Super Bowl Sunday, that's when the Patriots will beat whoever else is there. Because that's the team that I predict, and if you disagree, we can fight afterwards. But we're starting with if only regrets, because that's the ones that make a difference in all of our lives. 
Those are the ones that we carry with us. And the first thing that I want to say is the verse that's printed on the top of your sheet that you got as you walked in today. That as we all carry these if only blank situations in, we're met with a God of love. Because Romans 8.31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if God is for us at our absolute worst, if God is for us at the day and a half of milk in the back of your truck with the windows rolled up and the door shut because you don't know any better moment, He's going to be with us in every other moment for the rest of our life because he's for us. The first lie that was ever told in the Bible was the devil taking on the form of a snake and going to tempt our first mother, Eve, saying that God really doesn't want you to have a full life. God doesn't want you to be like him. In Genesis 1, the Bible says that, uh, that we were made in God's image. That means we're automatically like God. And so the devil comes up and he says, you're not actually gonna be like God. You need to do this thing that you've been told not to do. You need to do what you've been told not to do so that you can be like God. And so from the very beginning, there, there's just been this lie that's been propagated that God isn't actually for us, that we need to step out of his will or do things extra for God to actually be for us. But in all reality, the Apostle Paul, a guy who used to hate Christians until he became a Christian, spins everything on that one statement. If God is for you, which he is, then who could ever be against you? It's that 1% change that makes a 99% difference in everything that we see, think, feel, and do. Is as we go through life and as we look at the stuff that we're going to look at today, we do that all placed firmly and squarely under the love of God who gave himself for us. So when we look at regrets, when we look at where we are in our present, when we look at our future, we're doing all of that recognizing that there is a Jesus who came for us. There is a God who loves us. There's a Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And as he looks at each and every one of us, however we find ourselves here today spiritually, there's a God who loves us. So we're going to start out Romans chapter 8, the very beginning today. Uh, verse 1, it says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So God takes our if-only regrets. He takes the things that we did that we wish we never would have done. He takes that, how it affects our past, our present, and our future, and he works in a way that only he can. And the first thing we're going to look at is our past. Our past, God looks at, and our past is gotten. Okay, that doesn't make sense grammatically, but if you understand baseball, it does. So if you're in the outfield and there's a fly ball hit toward you, what's the first thing that you say as an outfielder? You say... I got it. Yes, thank you. One person. Good job. You look at, your, your hands are in the air, you're ready to catch it, and you say, I got it. That means that nobody else can come in and take it. That means if anybody else does get too close, you say it again. You say it louder. You put your arms out. You make sure that it's not happening. So when God looks at each one of us, and we come to him for the very first time, we ask him to forgive our sins, God looks at everything that we bring into the picture, past, present, future. He sees it, he knows it, and in one voice he says, the baseball word again, let's say it. I got it. God looks at our past and the things we wish we didn't done, hadn't done around alcohol, around drugs, around sex, around relationships, around brokenness, around the ways that we have hurt ourselves and hurt people. He looks at us and God says, I got it. It's not maybe. 
It's not, I don't really like this. That's a lot. I don't know if I can handle this. He says, I got it. Our past is gotten by Jesus, and the cross reminds us of that in an absolutely clear, unmistakable way. It's where God took on skin and the person of Jesus, and he came down to live the life that we could never live, to die the death that we absolutely deserved, to remind us that he's got it. That everything that we've ever done was nailed there with Jesus, and he got it in total. And so Romans chapter 8, it starts out that there is no condemnation. That no condemnation means forever. There's no condemnation for our past. There's no condemnation for our future because Jesus took all of the condemnation on himself and took the fall for fallen sinners like you and me. And so God looks at our past and God looks at every single area of regret and he says, this is the last time I'll make you say it today, but say it from your heart. He looks at your past and he says, I got it. I got it. So our past is gotten, which means that we can look back at it and have no regrets. There's a picture that hit the internet a few years ago that really kind of gave a different spin on regrets. It's that. That's not how you spell regret. And so for, every, for the rest of that person's life, they're going to have a little red squiggly line under the regret. Like if it was me, that's what I would do. Just put a little red squiggly line. So you're just admire, like admitting the fact I royally screwed this up forever. All of us have a version of that. All of us have a version of that. Hopefully you don't have the real thing. If you do, you can change that A into an E somehow. But all of us have those. And as we go through life, our regrets are going to change. Because in the moment when we do something dumb, we always wish that we never would have done that. We wish that we wouldn't have committed that. Our regrets are regrets of, of commission because we committed something. But as we grow, and as studies show with people who are, who are older, uh, on the older half of society, they look back and they say, man, it's not the regrets of what I did that, that's bringing me pain. It's the regrets of what I didn't do. It's the opportunities that I let go by. And so for everything, for every ounce of regret, for every version that we have in our life of that picture, God says two things first one is, is that he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. This is where I get hope as a Christian. I read the Bible. I see that God knew I was going to fail, that my failures, God doesn't wake up one day and open up the Ken app and see like, oh my gosh, this is bad. But he knew it was coming. Romans 8, 3. It says this. It says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. It means that God knew it. And so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as the sacrifice for our sins. That means that he's got our regrets, that he's covering our regrets with his own blood personally. Isaiah 53, 6, it's the guy who's looking forward to what God is going to be. And under the power of the Spirit, he's predicting the things that Jesus is going to do 700 years in advance. He says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Man, that's a good phrase. The Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That means that Jesus has handled the brokenness in our sex life. Jesus has handled the, the relational baggage that we bring into just everyday relationships with our parents, with our kids, with our spouse. It's been laid on him. That our alcohol or drug habit has been laid on Jesus. And he's paid the penalty for it. That our anger that we can't let go has been laid on Jesus and he paid the penalty for it. 
that our porn habit has been laid on Jesus and he paid the penalty of it for it. If we can think of it and we can confess it to God, God says, I got it. Because our past is gotten and our present is full. It's full. I love to eat. I love food. It's awesome. It is one of my favorite things to do. And the downside of that is when you eat too much, you know, you just get that point where you're like, there is no room left ever. You're uncomfortable. And then the worst thing happens. You see food. Or like you see a commercial for it and the burger is as big as the screen and you see the no room that's left in your stomach and you want to throw up because you're that full. Okay, in a good way, that's the way that God looks at our identity and that we're to look at it also because there's no room for anything else. That hamburger could be amazing, but there is no room for anything else. And as God has dealt with our present, as God got our past, God looks and says that our present is full. There's no room for anything else. In, for, in forgiving us our sin, what Jesus does is he takes everything that's in our past, wipes it away, and also changes everything about who we are now. Okay, it's a great thing for us to remember, to reflect, to base our life on, to sing songs, to take communion, uh, which we're going to do on the first Sunday of February. We do it the first Sunday of every month, typically. And to build our lives on what has been done, but that's only half the battle. Because yes, Jesus came to forgive us and to conquer our sin, to wipe it away, to pay the penalty that only he could. But it's not just so that we come back to zero. He's saying, I've got an identity for you that's bigger than just what you have done. But for everything that you ever will do, you're no longer doing it as somebody who has anger issues or somebody who has substance abuse issues or somebody who has sex life issues. You're doing it as my son and my daughter because your present is full and there's no room for anything else beyond being my son or my daughter. Yeah, okay, God, but what about all of this? I'm, a, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, but I've got this type of issue. And Jesus says, okay, that's fine, because I have a sledgehammer. Okay, and what a sledgehammer does is it pounds things really far into where they need to go. So we look at all of our sin and we look at every reason why our past or, or why our present identity isn't full and just being a son or daughter of Jesus. That we're a son or daughter of Jesus who struggles with this or who will never be good because of this or who always deals with this. And Jesus says, no, I took the sledgehammer to that. So what it means is it's fully planted. Everything that we could add on top of being a son or daughter of Jesus where we have screwed up, it's nailed into the cross. And the thing about a sledgehammer is there's no claw on the back of it. Okay, that's the little two-fingered part that rips all the nails out. There's no claw. So the nail goes in, it's never coming back out. That's the way that God looks at us with forgiveness, with new life, with salvation. He says, that's my son, that's my daughter, and there's no room for anything else. The cup's not just half empty, but instead we're full of Jesus' righteousness. We're no longer our past. We are God's son, we're God's daughter and he pulls us into a new life. He pulls us into a future with a mission. Pulls us into a future with a mission because God wants to do so much more than just forgive us of our sins. That's, that's the fact that has changed the whole world is that Jesus came to forgive sinners. Nothing has been the same since then, but that's just act one. The rest of it is that God wants to take our regrets, take our past, bond them with the fact that we're sons and daughters of God, that he has redeemed with the future, and then send us out on mission into our future. Because there's no regret that we're going to bring into this life that God can't redeem for his purposes. There's no regret that we can bring into our relationship with God, into our relationship with other people where God says, I can't use that. God can redeem every single regret that we have. 
I was at Starbucks this week meeting with a guy, uh, and there was another guy that I know uh, from church and other places who came up, and uh, we're talking about life and school and stuff, and they were going to uh, pull their kid out and, and head out of town for the weekend. Uh, and so he's talking about everything he's got coming up. And one of the things that he was really excited about uh, was a class that he's teaching. He's a first responder, so like police, fire, EMS, kind of that type of things. He's teaching a class for other first responders on how to deal with substance abuse. Because your everyday is interacting with everybody else's worst day. And so that's going to take a big toll on your heart and on your mind. And so he told me, he's got really serious. He's like, I lived this. And I want to make sure that nobody else does. Like you can see the regret in his eyes, but you can also see the mission in his heart. That for everything, for every regret that we have, we can say, man, I lived this. This was me. This was our reality for however that hits you. I lived this and I want to make sure that nobody else does. Why does that work out? Because God is in the business of redeeming regrets. We all have them. We all have a past. We all have our version of the no regret that we think is tattooed on our life forever. And what God says is that's not true. Because there's not a single regret in this life or in the next life that I can't redeem. So what God wants to do is he wants to take the things that are close to our head. We look at, okay, God, how could you use this in my life? And the first thing that pops in our head is God saying, this is how I want to take your regret. This is how I want to redeem it and send you on a mission forward. And so for the next three weeks, this week and the next three, that's what we're going to be looking at. Is how does God take our if only, if only I would have done this, and if only I would have pursued that relationship or backed off of that opportunity, if only I would have whatever, whatever, whatever. God says, well now, I'm for you. Your past is gotten. Your present is full because you're my son, you're my daughter, and nothing else can be added onto that. And your future has a mission because he's in the business of redeeming our regrets. Let's stand and pray. So Jesus, I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that you always are and always have been in the business of redeeming our regrets. Thank you that there's not a regret that's big enough uh, to take down your cross. At the cross of forgiveness, of mercy, of new life, that your cross will conquer any regret that we bring. And if you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus with your life, never ask him to come in and forgive you of your sins, forgive you of your regrets, and you've never asked him to be the Lord and leader of your life, today's your day to do that. You're not saying you're better than anyone else. You're agreeing with every single Jesus follower in this place that we have regrets and we have a God that conquers regrets. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand, and someone's going to pray with you as we close today. So one, God loves you. Always has, always will. Regrets and everything included, God loves you, and today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, there are regrets in all of our lives, where we fight against God, where we say, get out of here, I'm doing this my way. And Jesus came to pay the penalty for those and to forgive us of those. And three, today's your day to say, I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus. I'm ready for forgiveness. I'm ready for new life. I'm ready for that to start today for the first time. Is there anyone like that where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? Just look at me and raise your hand and someone will pray for you as we close today. Is there anyone like that where today's your day for forgiveness? Today's your day for new life. All right, for the rest of us, the, the front is gonna be open. If you wanna stand, kneel, and sit, 
and give God your regrets and say, okay, God, this is what I've done. This is where I, I trust that you've got my past because there's no place up here where we can bring something to God and God's saying, I'm not touching that. Everything we bring to God, he has an opportunity to redeem. So let's bring him to God and say, God, this is where I want you to work in my life. This is where I want you to work redemption into my life. Empower me to follow you in this. I'm asking for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to follow you in this. Because God has our past. He's filled our present. He has a mission for our future.